Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Hello, young business leaders. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I'm excited to share this week's episode with you. Today, we get to tune into a bonus podcast from our monthly luncheon featuring Mike Grogan. He's a Tulsa native and a graduate of Valparaiso University. You can catch him in action on KOTV, the News on 6, where he serves as meteorologist for the KOTV Warren Weather Team. Let's hear from Mike and listen to his message to young businessmen. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm glad to be with you all. So excited to be here with YBT today. Uh, One thing Matt had asked me to speak on was um, hurricanes that have happened. Of course, this is fresh of mind given what's happened in the last month between Hurricane Harvey and uh, Hurricane Irma. Harvey, of course, uh, kind of fading into the distance already given what's happened in Florida, but Harvey was an incredible um, storm from a meteorological perspective. It really brought um, so much rainfall to Texas, as we know. 52 inches setting a a record that is likely not to be challenged much in our lifetime. Um, It was considered a 500-year flood, which... Um, really doesn't mean it happens once every 500 years. It means there's a one in 500 chance that can happen in any given year. Um, what happened is Harvey uh, moved ashore as a Category 4 hurricane, the first to make landfall in 12 years of that strength. And then it sat in place. There were no steering winds for it to move. So it was a fire hose of moisture right into places like Houston, which uh, created the devastating flooding that we saw there. And I'm afraid that will be its legacy uh, moving forward. And of course, now we're hearing all about what's happening with Irma. Irma's real um, impressive thing from a weather standpoint was the fact that it maintained its strength uh, as a Category 5 hurricane. I mean, that's incredible strength. That happens maybe once every couple of years to even reach that for a moment. And this happened for days on end and had 100-mile-per-hour winds in that hurricane for, uh, um, gosh, I think it was nine days in a row. So that just has to be the perfect weather conditions for such a long stretch of uh, real estate in the ocean and also uh, the right conditions for it to be over the waters as well for the warm ocean waters and anything in its past as we have seen have been kind of left in ruins and um, to Florida I mean we're still seeing the impacts right now I saw something like over six million people without power and Things have actually turned out about as good as they could for Florida because uh, the storm actually moved inland in Cuba where it lost some of its strength. So unfortunate for Cuba, but as it turned north, it was weakened as it pushed into Florida. So it still made landfall as another category for hurricane. So for two of those to occur within a month of each other is pretty unusual. And uh, we look back to 2005 when that was actually something that did occur in that time frame uh, also. So we see these events happen from time to time, but this is a year of uh, certainly great need. A few images that you see here, Harvey on the left, Irma on the right, the flooding, the wind devastation. Um, One thing, of course, that we're talking about here, and I'm so glad that Ricky is taking the initiative to uh, pull us to bring resources because there is an incredible need. For Harvey, it's just so many people affected by flooding, and with Irma, the amount of Florida Peninsula experiencing the hurricane winds are uh, tremendous, and therefore it's something that um, 
not just a few narrow sections of land experience, but this is a widespread event with a lot of damage going back into the Caribbean, in fact. So uh, the people need our help. They need our help immediately, but they also need to be remembered down the road. Um, Being in the media, I kind of know this. The media cycle will basically take a hurricane at every angle and run that story. In about a week's time frame, we're going to stop hearing about it quite as much. And in about a month, it's going to be just kind of a memory, except for the folks that are living it day in and day out. That means the Houstonians, the Floridians, that are going to be having to pick up the pieces. What often happens is that they get this incredible rush of resources at the beginning, but they feel forgotten about in a month or two, when the recovery process takes months, if not years. And in some cases, like Katrina with uh, New Orleans, the city never quite recovers to the same degree as it once was. Uh, so this is something that we need to keep in our thoughts and our prayers. And if we have the opportunity to do so, to give later down the road as well, because these people will often feel very forgotten about. I know victims often, if you've ever been through a disaster, after the initial response, they feel kind of left alone. And these people are going to be going through a lot in the coming years. So uh, just to think about opportunities to serve them way down the road will be such a tremendous blessing to those folks there. So that's a little bit about the hurricanes. Uh, It's certainly been an active year and keeping us quite busy even in the weather realm. Um, So what I'll talk to you about today, normally I give talks revolving around weather safety or talking about a supercell diagram behind me or uh, maybe speaking in front of a green screen. So I'm a little out of my element here, so I'm going to be reading a little bit as well. Um, But let me briefly tell you how I ended up where where I did. Um, As Matt mentioned, um, I grew up here just about five minutes from this location, actually. So love to be back in Tulsa. This is a a huge blessing for my life. I've always had that fascination with weather, and it really clicked at that age of six when that storm barreled down our street in the middle of the night, woke up to a lot of damage, and I was just in awe. A few other instances like that happened. I mean, we live in Oklahoma, so we know the extremes of this place. We know it is capable of so much incredible things, and, and I mean incredible in both the devastating sense and just the sense that we're left in awe of what um, the weather and the world around provides us to witness, and Oklahoma is certainly witness to quite a bit of things. So I grew obsessed with it, for no lack of better term. I can't explain why weather of all things became my singular focus, other than a strong sense that uh, really God had placed this into my being as a calling for my life. Um, And that's the first thing I want to address today, is harnessing your calling. So some of you may have had a strong sense of a calling early on and pursued that calling, uh, whatever it is that you're passionate about wholeheartedly. For most of us, I imagine, it's not always clear-cut, and perhaps it evolves over time. I actually believe we have multiple callings, and first and foremost, to family, to friends, to God, and then to our vocations, and even from there to the activities that bring us life. When we talk about vocation, I knew mine would require quite a few sacrifices, and I had to be willing to make them in order to be in a fairly demanding uh, weather market like here in Tulsa. Prior to coming here, I had to be willing to move to seemingly random destinations, and to work odd hours, very difficult hours from time to time, weather happens round the clock, and to do it for you know, wages much lower than anyone would expect. And I'm sure that really pales in comparison to the sacrifices many people make, though, so this is certainly uh, nothing new there. But once you recognize that calling, once you feel an underlying purpose in what you do, it provides you, it provides me, with a sense of a drive that makes those sacrifices worth it. So I used to think that pursuing my passion was made up of mostly, if not all, giant leaps uh, of progress in big, bold moves um, that everyone around me would notice. So we often have these defining moments in our own careers that serve as milestones, 
But a lot of what brings us success as well is actually in the mundane. It's, as I like to call it, a long obedience in the same direction. Let me give you examples of both first. Um, first with the, maybe the bigger defining moments, I'll talk to you a few about. Uh, for me, Mother Nature often dictates that for us. Uh, many days uh, we begin like any other and it can turn into a whirlwind, so to speak. For me, that's actually literal. Sometimes we do have that occur. Um, back in 2013, I was a field meteorologist um, for Channel 6, um, and we were on a storm that was tornado-warned, and there was no visual of it because it was 11.30 at night. It was likely rain-wrapped, um, but sirens were sounding all throughout Tulsa. This was just kind of an April evening in Oklahoma. You often expect this sort of thing. Um, and right then, the sirens are sounding. I'm out there trying to confirm to see if there is anything, and we're able to do so because we actually end up inside the tornado. Um, I actually brought a little video. This is a dash cam video. I don't know, I haven't even tested it out, but if we play this, you'll kind of see what happened and what it kind of felt like in the moment. What you can't see are lash, like just giant curtains of rain. And this happened to be in the middle of a storm where we don't often see a tornado. And um, right about, uh, let me see, you'll see, you'll see a bunch of stuff flying by. Um, Perhaps you didn't see it there, but I think it might have just been below the screen. But what happened is there was just this line of just kind of debris, small debris mostly, flying across the road, and immediately we knew we're inside a tornado. And our driver was very proficient. He kept us on the road. Um, and uh, it was happened so quickly, we didn't have a chance to be frightened. But the meteorologists back in the studio were able to get me on air quickly to confirm that there was a tornado heading right into Bixby. When people know the threat is real, they take action. And so... Even though we were briefly in harm's way and there was actually a truck right next to us that got blown into the ditch, um, we were able to get people to shelter as that tornado went on to damage a number of homes and parts of Broken Arrow and Bixby. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't think there were even any injuries associated with that, but um, it really wasn't about me being particularly great at my job. That played a big role. It was more being ready when the moment called for it to fulfill an important purpose. That was a defining moment for me. Another one came much more recently. This is probably on a lot of our minds as well. The time uh, I was back in studio last month when we had our Tulsa tornado, um, so just a little over a month ago. At that moment, one o'clock in the morning, I was actually the only meteorologist at the station, and I recognized the storm could be causing some problems in the city and thought we needed to be on air soon. We had been doing cut-ins throughout the evening. I, cut, I kept our production people there so we could keep a high level of coverage uh, well into the wee hours of the morning, which is a difficult thing because I'm keeping people well past their normal time frame. Um, felt bad about doing so, but I'm glad we did. We did a cut in just as the tornado was actually striking Midtown. It formed in minutes. It was forming as I was pretty much going on the air, even before the tornado warning was issued by the National Weather Service. And even then, it was still too late for many people, but it was a defining moment for me especially not being quite at the top rung of the weather team, um, but to still make a direct and big impact. Um, in the middle of the night, as I was winding down my shift, I got to single-handedly cover five tornado warnings um, in a pretty well-populated area throughout Tulsa and surrounding areas. It was, um, it was overwhelming, and it was the middle of the night. Um, Fast-moving storms, kind of the worst-case scenario. Our storm trackers were out, but they did their best to keep up with it, but they couldn't really provide us much visual, so it kind of depended on me. And that is a moment of growth for me in my career, and thankfully meteorologists were streaming in after that to um, help reinforce the coverage as we started to learn what had happened. Um, we walked away later that night knowing we did as much as we could uh, for the time that we had and the resources uh, that were given to us. So back to the more mundane though, most of my days um, 
I'm creating a forecast, I'm creating maps, I'm giving reports on social media, radio, TV, etc. Um, and it's really talking about the need for a jacket or um, the frost potential in the morning, nothing that's necessarily life-threatening. But it's also these days that also define the pursuit of our calling, and this is kind of the number two point. It's what I referred to earlier as a long obedience in the same direction. That could be familiar to you if you happen to have read the book by Eugene Peterson. Um, it's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. Um, and it refers to a lot of our, our faith and referring to this in terms of um, persistence to uh, follow God's call in our life. Um, but in this era of, you know, instant YouTube stars, of, you know, uh, overnight hits, meteoric rises to the top in some fields, it's often tough to grasp that the patience and persistence it takes to build your career goals is made up in mostly baby steps every single day. None of us want to burn brightly, but like flash paper fizzled to nothing in a moment, nor should we put our efforts into making a splash but not being able to swim. I thought about this before. I could pull something wild to say on air and go viral in a time frame. I have that platform, I suppose, but it even if it wasn't inappropriate uh, in the eyes of my employers, I have to consider the mot motivations for doing so. If I wanted to grab an extra thousand Twitter followers, great. But if I want to leave a lasting impression and build a reputation for being reliable, informative, and accurate, then doing something outrageous like that won't get me very far. A viewer will turn to someone who I just described with a history of dependability, of relatability, and integrity. I think that is something that translates, though, into every profession. And it takes the persistence and tenacity um, at what we do day in and day out, or long obedience in the same direction as another way to say it to make that happen. So here's a quote um, you can see on the screen here, a long obedience in the same direction by Eugene Peterson. We live in an age of sensation. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity to, to doing it. But the wisdom of God says something different that we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. So to unpack that a little bit, it's easy to lose the feeling of passion in our day-to-day -day work. That happens to any of us. But if we persist past that initial loss of motivation, we find strength in the smaller goals accomplished as long as the bigger pictures are in sight. Anytime I feel like I'm in a rut at work, I'm reminded of the overarching goals I've established from early on, and I reevaluate and continue to deem those worthy of my pursuit. And I'm recharged in that instance, and my passion is often renewed in that sense. We can't rely on the fleeting nature of feelings to determine our path forward. It takes that long obedience in the same direction in our faith, in our family, and in our vocations to find genuine success and harmony in life. As the quote I read just implied, it takes intentionality, even when the feeling is lacking. If you have a known calling, it's worthy of pursuit anyway. The reward will come in time. So anyone who knows me knows I'm also passionate not only about the weather, but also about relationships. It might be the extreme extrovert in me speaking, but it's something that always brings me great joy. And that's the final point I'd like to make, the value in our relationships. And Ted spoke to that beautifully earlier. Specifically, the value in maintaining, nurturing, and always being mindful of the connections we have in our life. If it wasn't for nurturing uh, certain relationships, I wouldn't have founded my way to Channel 6, where I had interned in college, or met the love of my life, Valerie, who I'll be marrying next month. And I wouldn't have led to uh, a part of a food justice initiative right here in Tulsa, um, which I'll be speaking on, you'll see a little bit about later. I can give you countless examples I've, of people I've met offhand, seemingly at random, who have ended up playing a critical role in my life and sending me in a new direction. 
So never underestimate your own ability or your capacity to speak wisdom and direction into someone's life. I know anyone who's been part of YBT or a similar organization can attest to the value in work and friendships of those people around you and the positive influence they can have on your life. These connections live among us right now and the potential connections are innumerable. So here's an example. Back in, uh, I think it was 2014, I went on a mission trip uh, with a few friends from my church to Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was really a seemingly random destination to spend a week uh, helping various causes in the city throughout an inner city, uh, through an inner city ministry there. If anything, it was kind of a refreshing break from my daily life and work routine of forecasting weather and the doldrums of summer heat in Oklahoma. So I went and I learned a lot of different things and hopefully our group that I went with had some impact, positive contribution on the community by the time we had left. Afterwards though, I was really seeking something more. And as a Christian, I prayed about how this trip could actually lead to something to not feel like that it was a dead end, a kind of one and done type of effort. Well, God answered that in an unexpected way for me. And it happened a few weeks later when I had come across, uh, I was having breakfast one morning uh, with a few friends. I'd walked onto the patio and I came across somebody and they said, hey, Mike, hey, I just wanted to say I love watching you uh, on TV and I love the fact that just the other week you mentioned you were on a mission trip. And so I said, oh yeah, sure, you know, and um, you know, I was kind of thinking I need, to, I need to get to breakfast, but um, I started talking to him about what I had done there. He was asking some questions. I said, one of the things we tackled there was uh, about a food desert and what that, uh, what that means. Food deserts, I'll explain a little bit later, but areas of cities without access to fresh or um, available produce or other types of food that we often take for granted at a local grocery store. Well, um, right then, one of the guys sitting there spoke to me and he goes, well, you need to talk to my friend Walker Hansen about that because his son's actually doing a project that's getting ready to get started right here in Tulsa and I think you'd be a perfect fit for that. So some of you may know who I was talking to. It was actually State Representative Dan Newbury and his friend Jerry Dillon and um, never met them before, but they pointed me in this direction. I ended up meeting uh, Walker Hansen, and the name may be familiar because that's the dad of the Hansen brothers. And Taylor Hansen was hoping to be here today because he's the one that actually, uh, this was kind of his initial vision with Food on the Move. Um, but I um, kind of got on board with him and their team and uh, we've started this project three years ago. And um, it all started because I'd gone on this random trip. It felt like a random connection to have, um, but I was pointed in this direction by someone I had just met it led me to the connection of being involved with the food uh, desert ministry here in the city of Tulsa. And I'm, I'm, I'm impressed at what um, the goals are uh, for this organization. And it really is an effort in long obedience in the same direction, persistence, because it takes a long time to make meaningful impacts. Um, but it was a recognition that I could be an asset to a new food initiative that propelled me forward. That's just one example of a connection made where relationships were vital. And now three years later, um, I'm kind of the volunteer coordinator for it. And we'll talk more about that here in a moment. But as you see, seemingly random connections turned into full-blown opportunities. And it turned into an opportunity to serve the community we love here. Always value and think about the ways we can connect with others in our midst. The opportunities are truly endless when you start to do so. So in summary, from recognizing and following your calling to having that obedience in the same direction in the pursuit of that calling, and then recognizing and building and nurturing those connections with others along the way, your goals in life can be incredibly attainable. Even though I find myself falling short of these three principles, many times when the storms of life roll in, 
These are tenants that I have found rarely fail in any circumstance. Thank you all very much. I hope you've enjoyed this month's message. If you live in the Tulsa area, be sure to join us next month for a free lunch and another great speaker. We meet on the second Monday of every month at Tiamos at 61st and Sheridan at 1140 a.m. For more information about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, visit www.ybtok.com. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, we are building leaders for a lifetime.